All right, precious be to our loving Abba that we are able to study again his words and his commands. So we're going back to the book of Revelation, and we are currently undergoing a study on the seven seals, which includes the seven trumpets. There are seven trumpets in the seven seals, and we are going to study today the seventh and final trumpet in the book of Revelation. So exciting stuff that we're going to uncover tonight. Might be a little lengthy, but we'll do our best to keep it relatively um, short. Uh, hopefully we can get through this lesson and all of us will be able to remain attentive throughout the study because it is very relevant, especially since we know the sounding of the seventh trumpet uh, closes. It's getting nearer and nearer. So let's go ahead and review first some of the events that took place when the six trumpets were blown, 1914, World War I, 1939, World War II, 1986, Wormwood Explosion, 2000, the Global Dimming, 2010, Deepwater Horizon Oil Spill, and trumpet number six. It's possibly referring to a world war, and we know because of what's currently happening throughout the world, it seems like this is being set up to be fulfilled, if not this year, perhaps very soon to come. And so we are preparing the unfolding of the events that is outlined in the book of Revelation. Now, corresponding to the trumpet six event is the emergence of the two witnesses. We talked about this in our previous BHP. Uh, please go ahead and refer back uh, to this episode of the BHP. And we know what this entails is the work of the assembly and the two witnesses is to build up the spiritual temple of Yahuwah, which bears the name of Yahusha in preparation from the, for the promised millennial reign. This millennial reign is about the kingdom that will come and reign for 1,000 years and then eventually usher in the eternal kingdom in heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. And so the purpose of the two witnesses is to give mankind an opportunity to repent, to return to Yahuwah, and to be parts of the assembly of Yahusha. This is why we can expect the assembly of Yahusha, it will not remain small. It will increase vastly in number because of the work of Yahuwah's spirit, primarily when he moves the two witnesses to who will demonstrate and give witness to our king, Yahusha. And one of the ways the two witnesses will give witness to Yahusha is by embodying or carrying out showing a demonstration basically of the gospel message in Revelation 11, 11 down to 14. We know that the two witnesses are going to proclaim the truth, the gospel, but they'll be persecuted and the beast will eventually kill them both. And after three and a half days, they're going to resurrect. And then a voice from heaven will say, come up here and they will ascend to heaven. Afterwards, there's going to be an earthquake and there's going to which will cause many people to be afraid and 7,000 people will be killed. And this is the sick, the second woe is passed. The sixth trumpet is ended. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly, which is the seventh and last trumpet. So we know that the two witnesses will play a major and crucial role that will lead to the blowing of the seventh and last trumpet. The blowing of the seventh trumpet is so significant, even before it takes place, it was already forewarned by the Apostle John in Revelation 10 verse 7, 
if you still remember this passage, we discussed more, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. And so the apostle John, even before the appearing of the two witnesses, is letting us know in advance how important the sounding of the seventh angel is because it's going to bring a new age upon the earth. The old, the old age will pass away. There's going to be a new age. The kingdom is going to come. So what's going to happen when the seventh trumpet is finally blown? Let's now look at Revelation 11, 15 down to 18. This is what we can read. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Yahuwah and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Yahuwah, God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged, and what you should re and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. And so this is what will happen when the seventh trumpet is blown. Let's go to verse 15. It says the seventh angel sounds, and there were loud voices in heaven. And so basically what this tells us is there's an official announcement that comes from heaven announced by the angels of heaven. You cannot get more official than this. In this trumpet being blown, there's an official announcement from heaven. And what is being announced that comes from heaven approved by Yahuwah and of course our king Yahusha. The loud voices in heaven says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Yahuwah and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so what is being announced when the seventh trumpet is blown is there's going to be a new age because a new kingdom is going to be implemented or established on earth. What is this kingdom? The kingdom of Yahuwah, the kingdom of his Christ. How long will this kingdom prevail? Forever and ever. It will be the millennial kingdom, and eventually it's going to transition to the eternal kingdom. It will reign forever and ever in the new heavens and the new earth. So what is going to be announced when the seventh trumpet is blown is that the kingdom of Yahuwah and of his Mashiach has come. This is why, what should we feel? When this is about to take place, when the seventh trumpet is blown, Bible says, we give you thanks, O Yahuwah God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come because you have taken your great power and reign. What this tells us is Yahuwah is the orchestrator of history. From Genesis to Revelation, behind the scenes, Yahuwah is working out his work of restoration, his work of redemption, culminating in the kingdom that is to come. This is why our King Yahushua, if you still remember, when he gave an example of what to pray for, 
He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Well, when the seventh trumpet is blown, it will be fulfilled because it has been announced that the kingdom has already come. However, it doesn't mean the millennial is going to begin there in the seventh trumpet. The reason why is similar to what happens when the president is newly elected. For example, there's a national election. And after you tally in the votes, a clear winner emerges and you announce officially the new president of the United States is, but it doesn't mean that he gets to sit on the White House right away, right? What has to happen first? You have to remove the old administration. And then you select a new cabinet. And so before the kingdom is installed and actively at work, visibly on earth, well, there is preparatory work that needs to happen first. Removal of the existing kingdoms and the preparation of the officers of this kingdom that belongs to Yahuwah and to Yahusha. So this prep work is going to take place before we can see this kingdom, which has been announced when the seventh trumpet is blown to be visibly seen on earth. So what is going to transpire to carry out this work? The removal of the existing kingdoms and the preparing of the officers of the kingdom. This is why we have the rest of the book of uh, the seven trumpet events. So what else? What are the events that will take place that will complete this preparatory work so that the kingdom can be finally installed here on earth. Let us keep reading in Revelation 11. We read parts of 15 and 18. Let's continue to look at what else is going to take place. It says, your wrath has come. So that's one event. The wrath of Yahuwah Abba will come. What else? The time of the dead that they should be judged. And so there's a mentioning of something that will take place which is called here in this passage, the time of the dead, right? It doesn't, it's, interestingly, it doesn't say the time when the dead will be judged, but it says the time of the dead, that they should be judged. And so we're going to look at what that means. And also it mentions you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name. And lastly, destroy those who destroy the earth. So these are the events that will take place that will be in preparation for the coming of the kingdom, which was already announced when the seventh trumpet is blown. So let's go ahead and take a look at the wrath that is going to come. Your wrath has come. Now, when will this take place? And what is the meaning of this? In Revelation 16, verse 1, we're going to fast forward a little bit to Revelation 16, verse 1. It says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And so in Revelation 16, it mentions seven angels, which means there are seven bowls. What do these bowls indicate? What does it refer to? Plagues destructive plagues that will help depopulate the earth, unfortunately. It's going to be acts of destruction upon the people of the earth. This is why it's called the wrath 
of God. There are seven bowls of wrath that's going to be poured upon the earth. Notice the pattern of sevens, the seven seals of Revelation. We have seven seals. The seventh seal we know has seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet has how many bowls? Seven bowls to carry it out. So there are seven bowls of wrath. So the seven bowls of wrath will be unleashed after the blowing of the seventh trumpet. What also will happen? It mentions the time of the dead that they should be judged. Now, when you read this passage, it seems to be telling us that the dead is going to be judged, right? However, when we carefully read this passage, it mentions the time of the dead that they should be judged. And so what could this possibly be referring to? When you first read the passage, one might think, well, could this be referring to the great white throne judgment of the dead? That's what instantly comes to our minds, right? This is referring to the time when all of the dead are going to be judged. However, when is the white throne judgment of the dead? When will that take place? Revelation 20, 7, 11 to 13. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it and whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And the death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in, who were in them. And they were judged each according to his works. And so in Revelation 11, during the seventh trumpet series of events, when it mentions that the dead will be judged, is it referring to the great white throne of judgment? It cannot be. Because this event in Revelation 20, called the white throne judgment, judging the dead according to their works, this will take place after the thousand years is over, but the seventh trumpet is blown before the millennial kingdom. This is why the judging of the dead mentioned in the seventh trumpet is not the same that is referred to here in Revelation 20, where it says the great white throne judgment of the dead according to their works. And so how do we explain this event that takes place in Revelation chapter 11 during the seventh trumpet. Well, let's take a look at what it says, the time of the dead, right? That they should be judged. Now, well, let's take a look at the word judged. What is the Greek word used, which is translated in English as judged? When we go to Blue Letter Bible, this is the passage in question that they should be judged. It's the Greek word 2919, which is kirio. Now, what does that mean? Interestingly, it has several definitions. And so it has, mis it has miscellaneous interpretations and meanings. It could mean to approve, to esteem, to prefer, 
to determine, to resolve, to decree, to pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong. As a matter of fact, in Revelation 18, verse 20, it says this. This is how it's translated in English. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And so the word that was translated in Revelation 11 as judged, here in Revelation 18 is translated avenged. It's the same Greek word, kerikrino. Revelation 11, 18 and Revelation 18, 20 uses the same Greek word, to, Greek 2919, but in Revelation 11, 18, it uses the word, the English word judge, right? But in Revelation 18, verse 20, it uses what? Avenged. So the same Greek word, but different translation in English. This tells us the Greek word krino can have different applications. When it says to judge, it could be referring to avenging, avenging uh, those who have died, which is in Revelation 6, 9 to 11, we get the two words together. And this Revelation 6, 9 to 11 is referring to the fifth seal. Remember the fifth seal? When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Let's pause there for a while. So when the fifth seal is open, we get a, a lot of symbolism here. And we see people who have died. That's what it means to be slain for the word of God. You become a martyr, right? And so there are people who were killed because they testified about Yahushua. And they believed and upheld the word of Elohim. So they were put to death. And so vengeance, their souls were asking for vengeance. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Yahuwah, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. And a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as the word was completed. And so in the fifth seal event, there is a crying out for something. And this is the symbolism that we often find in the Holy Scriptures. Like when Abel was killed. And then we find the phrase in the Bible that uh, the blood cries out from the dust. Something like that, right? And so here... We have those who were put to death because of their faith, because of their faith in Yahushua, they were put to death. And so symbolically, they were crying out, until when, oh, Yahuwah, until you judge and avenge our blood. Take note, it doesn't say in the passage, until you judge them. It says, until you judge and avenge our blood. And so when it says judge in this passage, it's referring to those who have died because of the faith. And so they were asking Yahuwah, when will you take action because of what they did to us? When will you judge or when will you vindicate our death? Yahuwah was rest a little while longer 
until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were killed as they were was completed. So there's an appointed time concerning when they will be vindicated. And when is that appointed time? The seventh trumpet. So in the seventh trumpet, when it says the time of the dead, that they should be judged, what it's actually saying is not the judgment of those who died, but the vindication of those who died because of the faith, which was requested and mentioned and cried out to, uh, cried onto in the fifth seal. And so one of the events that will take place at the blowing of the seventh trumpet is at the sound of the seventh trumpet, the dead, those who were martyred saints, would be vindicated or avenged. And how will they be avenged? The seven bowls of wrath. This is why they're all connected. The seventh seal cry for justice. I mean, the fifth seal cry for justice, the seventh trumpet event, and the uh, the judgment of the great harlot or the judgment of Babylon the Great in Revelation 18, they're all connected. Revelation 6, the fifth seal, there was a cry for vengeance on behalf of those who were martyred. Revelation 11, verse 18, the seventh trumpet, that's when it begins. Vengeance begins through the outpouring of wrath because the seven bowls of Yahuwah's wrath is going to be poured upon the earth when the seventh trumpet is blown. And this will include vengeance against Babylon the Great and this system of evil, which began all the way back during the days of Nimrod, is responsible for the slaying of martyrs from the very beginning. This is why when it comes to the vengeance upon which the Bible speaks about and the outpouring of the wrath of Yahuwah, it will include, of course, the defeat, the fiery defeat of Babylon the Great. And so one of the events, I mean, the events of Revelation 11, the seven trumpets, it's an act of destruction upon the people of the world. In fact, it even adds there the last, and you should destroy those who destroy the earth. And so what is characteristic of the trumpet events, the first trumpet all the way to the seventh trumpet, it are, are the people who destroy the earth and the people who live on the earth, including the false prophet, the beast, um, including great Babylon, right? All of them are going to be destroyed because they destroyed the earth. When it says they destroyed the earth, not just the earth itself, but the people who belong to the earth. And so they're going to be destroyed. And how are they going to be destroyed? Well, we read verse 18. Let's now read verse 19 to conclude the seventh trumpet. This is what it says. Then the temple of Elohim was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. Interesting. In the seventh trumpet event, when Apostle John is describing this destruction that will destroy those who destroy the earth, which includes Babylon. Um, the false prophet, the beast, and those who are with them. Bible says and describes it, describes it as lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great 
hail. When we studied all about the trumpets, trumpet one all the way to trumpet six, you notice it had two components, a physical component and a spiritual component, right? And so there's the physical component that exists is also being described by the Apostle John. In this instance, when the seventh trumpet is blown, yes, it is the announcement of the coming wrath of Yahuwah. Yes, it is the announcement of the kingdom that's already here. It's the announcement, and it's going to also bring in the rewards for the true servants of Yahusha. But not only that, it's going to be accompanied by a physical event, much like what happened before. And so it's described as lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. I want to pause here for a while. I want you to think back. Do you remember when it was recorded by the Apostle John, something similar to what we have highlighted here in yellow? Lightnings, noises, thunderings, earthquake. Remember that? Have you heard that before? This description of lightnings and noises and thunderings and earthquakes and great hail. Well, when we go to the bowls of wrath, if we jump, for example, in Revelation 16, we find this pattern repeated. Remember, the Bible is all about re repetition of patterns, like fractals. And so when we go to Revelation 16, take a look, and I want you to compare Revelation 11, 19 to this passage we're going to read, which is the seventh bowl of wrath, Revelation 16, 17, 18, and 21. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. This is the last bowl. Remember, when these bowls are being poured out, more and more people die, right? This is the seventh bowl of judgment, the seventh wrath, the seventh bowl of wrath that Jehu was going to pour out. And it's described with noises, thunderings, lightnings, earthquake, and the hails, and great hail. You see how it's very similar to the seventh trumpet event, the seventh trumpet, the seventh bowl has the same pattern. When it comes to how it's described, noises, thunderings, lightnings, earthquake, and hailstones. In this case, the hailstone is really big. They're really large. One hailstone weighs a talent, which is about 100 to 200 pounds. Can you imagine how large that hailstone would be? I mean, if you get hit by one of those things, I don't think you'd survive, right? A 100-pound hailstone, a 200-pound hailstone. This is unprecedented, but that's what's going to happen during the seventh bowl when Yahuwah pours out his bowl of wrath, right? And so you have patterns concerning the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh bowl, the seventh bowl. And I want you to look at this pattern because this is precisely what a fractal is. 
Remember what a fractal is? It's a repetition of pattern that becomes more complex or you, you add more information to that pattern just a little bit. And so it changes slightly the repetition of the pattern. And so when the seven seal takes place, right? There were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. That's the seven seal. Remember the seven seal? Tumuska, Tumuska event. We'll, we'll take a look at that a little later on, but that's the seven seal. Now compare that to the seventh trumpet and take a look at the pattern. What is the difference? Remember a slight variation, but the structure is pretty much the same. That's like what a fractal is. You notice the seven trumpets slightly different. What's the difference? Everything's the same except for one. Yeah, something is added this time. It includes great hail. In the seventh seal, there was no great hail. But in the seventh trumpet, there is great hail. So the seventh seal, similar to the seventh trumpet, because it mentions lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquake, with a slight variation of great hail. Now let's move to the seventh bow. I want you to see what's the difference. The seventh bow, it has noises, thunderings, lightnings. Does it have hail? Yeah. Does it have an earthquake? Yeah. But you notice something is slightly different when it comes to the seventh bow. What is that? It's more intense. Not only does it include an earthquake, the greatest earthquake in the history of man. Not only does it include great hail, it is the greatest hailstorm in the history of man, right? So you see the fractal pattern that's found in the book of Revelation when you go from the seventh seal to the seventh trumpet to the seventh bowl. And so what can we expect because of this pattern? We can expect the level of destruction may be similar, but it's going to grow in intensity. It's going to be more and more devastating. This is why we need to take a look and go back and remember what the seventh seal was about, as, at least as far as the physical aspect of it. Because remember, the trumpet events has a physical and a spiritual aspect, right? The physical aspect of the seventh seal, we titled it the golden censer. And if you have time, you can maybe review that lesson in our YouTube, or I think it's also available on Facebook, I'm not too sure, or maybe in Vi uh, Vimeo. Uh, so you can go ahead and review uh, the lesson on the seven seal concerning the golden censer. And we know that we believe it was fulfilled in the Tumusk, uh, Tumuska mystery, right? Which took place about a hundred years ago in 1908. And when this took place, I mean, many people did not know what the source was, However, there's a strong possibility it was meteorites, meteors, right? And so according to Scientific American, when this event happened, the sky split in two, fire appeared high and wide over the forest. There was a noise as if cannons were firing and the earth shook, right? Also according to Scientific American, it was the largest impact, largest impact of a cosmic body to occur on the earth during modern human history. It, it, it created fires and it was really bright up in the sky. In fact, because of the power it produced from the sky, not only did, did it illuminate the sky, it also flattened millions of trees. And this is how it looked like, 2000, uh, I mean, a vast landmass 
of trees were completely flattened like this. And according to Brit Britannica.com, the energy of the explosion is estimated to be as much as 15 megatons of TNT, which is a thousand times more powerful than the atomic bomb. And so the explosion up there in the sky produced not only a, a flattening effect upon the trees, it also produced very bright lights and eerie noises and thunderings. It also created seismic events. It created an earthquake uh, of which it was measured to be about 5.0 on the Richter scale, the shockwaves created by the change in atmospheric pressure were observed to have raced around the Earth two times. This is why this was such a powerful, powerful event. And if you were alive during that time, you would take notice of this. And you, many people said to themselves, this could be the end of the world. So the seventh seal was the Tunguska blast, lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquakes. But notice, what's the difference? There's no hailstone. Do you know why the Bible does not add hailstone? Why? Why does the Bible not include hailstone in this instance? Because the 1908 Tunguska blast was created by a meteor that evaporated in the atmosphere. The meteor did not actually hit the earth. Yet it produced that kind of power and shock and lightning illuminated the skies, right? And so when you think about that, because the seventh trumpet and seventh bowl event, they both include hail because there's hailstone. What does this suggest? From heaven, as the meteors, are being evaporated in the atmosphere because they're, they're, they'll be so large or so many, there's gonna be many debris, many remnants of that meteor that will fall on the earth, creating violence, creating destruction, is gonna be more devastating than the one on the, during the seventh seal. This is why it says great hail. And then it gets worse during the seventh bowl because it says, not only will it include a great earthquake because it's gonna be more powerful of an impact. Each hailstone was about a weight of a talent, 100 to 200 pounds in, in mass, in weight. So could it be that the seventh trumpet, when it's blown to make the spiritual announcement about the coming of the kingdom, it comes with a physical manifestation, which is a large meteor, a large asteroid, that when it enters the Earth's atmosphere, because it's so large, it will remain intact. Bits and chunks of it will remain intact and it will fall upon the Earth like a great hail, like great hail. Is that possible? It's possible. As a matter of fact, just recently, last year, if you were watching the news, uh, NASA was, they were celebrating because of the recent success when it comes to smashing into an asteroid so that the asteroid would be um, moved out of its trajectory, right? And this came, this report was written September 26, 2022. So just several months ago, uh, they, they did something that was akin to what was being talked about in science fiction about blasting an asteroid that was on the path of Earth to avoid extinction, right? According to this uh, New York Times article, for the first time, humanity has demonstrated the ability 
to autonomously target and alter the, orb the orbit of a celestial object. Ralph Semmel, director of the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory, said during a news conference after the crash, the laboratory managed the mission for NASA. And so it makes you wonder why are NASA scientists and physics laboratories throughout the world, why are they funding this kind of mission? Well, maybe because they know that there are a lot of asteroids, a lot of meteors that are on their way to Earth, right? Is that a possibility? Yeah, this is why not too long ago, I remember some of you were mentioning, was it Nibiru or something like that? Nibiru, yeah, they saw like, like a comet or another Earth or some kind of a asteroid that was headed towards Earth. And we know if it's big enough, it could create human extinction. And last year also, you know, I mean, about a year ago, NASA asteroid warning, Eiffel Tower-sized asteroid narrowly missed Earth in December. This was back in December 2021. 20, uh, and so while it missed us this time, the asteroid is set to come back towards Earth again on val Valentine's Day uh, twenty. 60, right? And just recently, astronomers spot, they actually spotted a planet killer asteroid. Is it a threat to Earth? And so it seems like every so often, we find news of people discovering asteroids headed towards Earth, right? That's, the re that's what inspires uh, all these physics labs and NASA working together to create a way to protect ourselves because we know there's a lot of danger from the heavens. The heavens will be shaken and it's going to create some, somehow, some way, eventually, one of these asteroids is gonna hit earth and it might bring extinction, right? And so it's not surprising that when we look at the seventh bowl and the seventh trumpet, this is in terms of the damage is going to do is going to be far more vast than the seven seal Tunguska explosion. It's going to be great devastation for the seventh trumpet, but even more so during the seventh bull. But notice when the seventh bull event takes place, when there was, when this plague is exceedingly great, you notice the response of human beings. What do men say? They blaspheme God. Instead of repenting, these human beings are going to blaspheme Allahim because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. Amazing. <laughs> it's just, I guess human hearts can be so hard even when events that is very extreme is happening in one's life. Instead of repenting and returning to Yahuwah, we become proud and blaspheme Yahuwah instead. We have to be the opposite. You know, for us, when something bad happens to us, we need to always look at ourselves and repent and return to Yahuwah Elohim. So the great hail of the seventh trumpet could bring great devastation if it's an iteration, if it's a fractal iteration of the physical event that accompanied the seventh seal. So the great hail of the seventh trumpet would be a harbinger of the seven bowls of wrath that follows. So not only is it going to bring devastation when it happens, it's also an announcement of something worse is going to come. What are they? The wrath of God. The seven bowls 
of wrath. When the seven trumpet is blown, the seven bowls are lined up one after the other. It's going to be poured upon the earth. And we're going to talk about that when we get to Revelation chapter 16. But what is our hope? Right? Because the seventh trumpet is going to be blown. Does it mean we're going to suffer together with the people of the world? The wrath of Yahuwah? It's a good thing we have hope. You know what our hope is? When all this is happening? Well, this is what our king said in Luke 21, 25 to 28. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity, the sea, and the waves roaring. People living in California, they can relate with that passage right there. Men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the power of the heavens will be shaken. Perhaps that is in consonance with or a description of Revelation chapter 11. The seventh trumpet event, because when the seventh trumpet event is going to be accompanied by a cosmic sign, the shaking of the powers of the heavens will be will, will take place. Christ says the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. So our King Yahushua is telling us. When events that bring fear in the hearts of human beings are taking place, when circumstances and situations that are beyond the ability of human beings to control and manage, like the raging of the sea, the waves roaring, the distress of nations with perplexity, the signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, when all this is happening, our King Yahushua says, Do not be alarmed. And then he adds, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Could that be referring to the lightnings, the thunderings, uh, the earthquake, the hailstorm that's going to take place during the seventh trumpet? Could be. This is why King Yahushua says, when that happens, see, look up and see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, right? When Yahushua comes in the cloud, what's going to happen? Who's going to meet him in the clouds? Those who belong to Yahusha. When you go from earth and then you go up into the clouds to meet Yahusha in the air, what do you call that event again? We call it being caught up in the air. What does that mean? Harpazo, right? The harpazo or the rapture. And so our King Yahusha is telling us when you see the powers of the heavens being shaken, look up. You will see Yahusha in the clouds. And then our redemption draws near. What is that redemption? Not redemption for our sins, but the redemption of our bodies. Remember what Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8. All of us were redeemed by the blood of Yahushua, right? Because of that, we became the sons and daughters of Abba. However, our bodies haven't been redeemed yet. It hasn't been transformed yet. But the Bible says redemption draws near. This is not the redemption of our sins. No, this is the redemption of our Bodies is referring to the harpazo, the transformation that will take place in our bodies so that we can meet him in the clouds. This is why we are not to be afraid. Instead, when all this is happening, look up and we're going to be transformed, harpazoed in the air to be with Yahusha. This is why the seventh trumpet will be the harpazo of those who belong to Yahusha. 
Isn't that fantastic? That's our hope, brethren. And so when all these things are happening and we're hearing news practically every day of how the economy is failing, of how there's violence everywhere, how young people are killing each other. Can you imagine six, a six-year-old or a sixth grader killing, you know, killing the brother, killing parents, using guns? It's amazing. It's startling, really. You know that the, the angel of destruction, what's the name of that angel of destruction once again? I forgot the name. Apollyon, Abaddon, right? He's roaming around. And more and more people at a younger and younger age are taking actions which are barbaric, fueled by the instigation of these fallen angels. And it's happening all over the world. And so nations are in perplexity. But Yahushua says, this is our hope. Because when the seventh trumpet will be blown for us, that means good news. When the seventh trumpet is going to be blown, just like the two witnesses, we're going to hear the voice come up here. We're going to harpazo it to be with our king. And what's evidence? What are the evidences? What proof do we have that the harpazo will take place on the seventh trumpet? Well, there are four I'm going to be presenting to you today, but there's a lot more. But based on our studies, let's take a look at the four. Revelation 10, verse 7. We read this passage earlier. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, this is the seventh trumpet, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. So when the seventh trumpet is sounded, the Bible says the mystery of God would have been finished. What is that mystery of God that would have been finished or finally and at last fulfilled? Let's find out. In Corinthians 15, 51, 52, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And so what is this mystery that's going to be fulfilled? When the seventh trumpet sounds, it is the mystery of the transformation that will take place in our bodies when we go from mortal to immortal and meet Yahusha in the air. This is why that's evidence number one. The harpazo is the mystery that will be fulfilled at the seventh trumpet. What also is proof that the harpazo will take place on the seventh trumpet? Well, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. It tells us that the mystery where we will be changed, it will happen in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And what is going to happen at the last trumpet? Thessalonians. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And so what is that trumpet, that last trumpet that will take place? And when it sounded, our bodies are going to be changed. It's the day we're, we're going to be caught up together with Yahusha. When is that? The day Yahusha returns. When is that? The seventh 
trumpet. So the seventh trumpet is the last of the seven trumpets. This is why the Bible calls it the, the last trumpet, because number seven of seven is the last, right? The seventh trumpet is the last of the seven trumpets. So the harpazo will take place at the last trumpet. Evidence number two. What is evidence number three? That the harpazo will take place on the seventh trumpet. Well, let's go back to Revelation 11, 15 to 18. This is when the seventh angel sounds. This is the seventh trumpet, right? We talked about these events in some detail, but we haven't talked yet about what also will happen when the seventh trumpet is sounded. What is that? It's highlighted in yellow. The Bible says when the seventh trumpet is sounded, you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great. Can you imagine the power of proclaiming the name, right? I mean, it's right there in plain English. Proclaiming the name. Is it important or trivial? Some people think it's a trivial thing. You don't need to know the name. It's a trivial thing. But all throughout scripture, it tells us about the power of the name, that we are to proclaim the name, that we are to believe and meditate upon the name. This is why we have conferences that, we're go that we are leading. And in those conferences, we are proclaiming to the people why we ought to pay attention to the name of Yahuwah and to the name of Yahusha. Because the Bible says, it, it, it tells us those who fear, those who reverence the name, they are among those who will be rewarded. And so when the seventh trumpet sounds, there's a rewarding of those who belong to Yahusha. Well, if we're going to go through the seven bowls of wrath, I mean, what kind of reward do we have? Think about that, right? If we're going to receive our reward at the seventh trumpet, what does that mean? It means we're going to be saved from wrath. We're going to be saved from the wrath, which repre represents the outpouring of the seven bowls of wrath, right? Is that biblical? Yeah. In Thessalonians 5, 9 to 11, for Allahim did not appoint us to wrath. I want you to meditate on that phrase. This is good news for all of us. You know, when we're reading all about the bowls of wrath, when we are reading all about what's going to happen when the seventh trumpet sounds, when people are so afraid they faint, right? The Bible says we don't have to worry about that. Why? Because the Bible says, Allahim, our father, Yahuwah, did not appoint us to wrath. Well, to what did he appoint us to? But to obtain salvation through our Lord Yahushua Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him, therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. And so according to scriptures, why are we sure that we will not have to go through the seven bowls of wrath? Because Apostle Paul says, Yahuwah did not appoint us to wrath, because after all, if we're going to be suffering together with the world, what kind of reward is that, <laughs> right? Bible says there's going to be a giving of rewards. Well, how can we be rewarded if we already, if we already died? And remember what Apostle Paul says here, comfort each other and edify one another as you also are doing. And so this tells us a lot. Apostle Paul says, these are, this is what you use to comfort each other. 
And Apostle Paul, when he says comfort each other with these words, he included that we will not, we're not appointed to wrath, but to salvation. Do you know when else the Apostle Paul used that sentence, comfort each other with these words? Do you know where? Thessalonians 4, 16 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. What is that called? The harpazo. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And so what Apostle Paul said in Thessalonians 5, when he said comfort one another with these words, he says, Yahuwah did not appoint you to wrath but to salvation. What does that salvation look like? We're going to go to the air. We're going to be saved from the wrath of Yahuwah. And so before the wrath comes, we're going to be harpazoed. We're going to meet the Lord in the air and be with him forever more. Comfort each other with these words. So those who belong to Yahusha will be saved from wrath because they will be quote-unquote harpazoed. I'm sure that's not an English word at all. Before the wrath is poured out. And so when we are with Yahushua, we will receive salvation and also rewards. This is why in Revelation 22, 12, Yahushua says, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And so how are we going to be rewarded according to our King Yahushua? According to our works. So your reward will be different from mine, right? It's according to our works. And so for us, for there, so that it can be determined what kind of reward we're going to have, well, what's going to happen? When Yahushua appears and we go to meet him and be with him forevermore, what's going to happen when we meet with him so that we can be given our rewards? Let's read 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so what will happen when Yahushua appears in the clouds and we go to meet him in the air, what's going to happen? We're going to face his judgment seat. This is not the great white throne judgment. It's different. This is the Bema judgment. We're going to meet our Christ and we're going to be judged, and what will be determined is our rewards, right? Some will receive much reward, and some will receive maybe no reward, but they'll be saved. That's good enough for me, I guess, <laughs> right? But I know it would, it, it would be nice to receive great reward. Well, what is the, the basis for the rewarding? It depends on what we did in our body. What does that mean, what we did in our body? Our celestial or earthly body, not with our, our, not with our new transformed spiritual or immortal body, right? While we're, we were here on earth, that's what Apostle Paul saying. Our life now, what good did we do? What bad did we do? That determines the kind of reward we're going to receive. This is why our King Yahushua said, you'll be given your reward according to your works. This is not talking about salvation because we're not saved by works. We're talking about rewards, rewards based on our works, 
This is why as members of the Assembly of Yahushua, we should never think our sacrifices, right? Our work that we do for the benefit of the Assembly of Yahushua, we should never think that's wasted. As a matter of fact, according to Apostle Paul, to what are we likened to? Let's read Corinthians uh, 3, 9 to 11, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Yahushua Christ. So Apostle Paul, those who are in the assembly of Yahushua, those who are in the body of Yahushua, they're likened to buildings. They're also expected to do something. They are to build, to build on what is already built. Who is that? Yahushua. So when we are in the body of Yahushua, we're like buildings upon the foundation who is Yahushua. What do we do? What is our work? We have to build. In other words, we have to do our part in the assembly of Yahushua. We need to do work for the advancement of the assembly of Yahushua. That's the work that will be rewarded. However, what kind of work is expected from all of us who are built upon Yahushua as the foundation stone? 12 to 13. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And so according to Apostle Paul, while we are in our bodies now, while we are here on earth, we who belong to Yahusha, because we are built upon him as our foundation, what is expected from us? We have to do good works. Because one day that work will be tested. Raise your hand if what you're doing is good. Are we filled with good works? You might be saying, I think my works are good. I think a lot of us will say that. But you know what? It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to our king. He's going to judge that. When we face his judgment seat, our works, they're going to be tested. How will our works be tested? By fire on the day when he appears. That's why it says, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. What is that day referred to? The day when Yahushua returns. The seventh trumpet. How will it be revealed? By fire. Revelation 1, 14 and 15. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. What does it mean? That our works will be tested before Yahushua on that day when we face him. Well, our King Yahushua, when he appeared to the Apostle John, our king says, describe right to the, people, the, the seven assemblies how I look like. Right to the seven assemblies what you see now, which is the glorified Christ. And when Apostle John wrote to describe the glorified Yahushua, he wrote and said, his eyes were like a flame of fire. Why? Because our king Yahushua can see right to our heart. We, we've done all this work for the assembly of Yahushua. We've done all this work and dedicated to our king. But what is our motivation? What's our purpose? 
Is it to seek glory for ourselves or is it to glorify Yahusha? You see, Yahusha can answer that question because he can see right through our hearts. He can see those who have no interest at all in glorifying Yahusha. Maybe they just go through the motions. There are those who do good works, but their works were not motivated by pure intentions. Yahusha can see through that because his eyes are like flames of fire and the fire will reveal the kind of work that we will present to our king, Yahusha. That's why it's going to become clear, right? So when our works are tested, what do you want your works to represent? Gold, silver, precious stones? Or do you want your work to represent wood, hay, or straw? What happens to wood, hay, and straw when you take it to the fire? Disappear. What happens to gold, silver, precious stones when you take it to the fire? Becomes refined, right? Word, our works that we have done, it's going to go through the fire. It's going to be tested. And so all of our things that we have done, all our sacrifices, are going to go through the fire one by one. And we're going to see if it disappears or not. And so what happens if it endures? What happens if it's burned? Well, let's keep reading 14 to 15. If anyone's work, which he has built on, it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So one by one, all of our works are going to go through the fire. The eyes of Yahushua is going to judge. And for each work, it either endures or is burned. If it's burned, we suffer loss. If it endures, that's on the plus side. And so our rewards keep piling up or our rewards keep disappearing. It all depends on how it is assessed by our king, Yahusha. But if we have no rewards, Bible says, well, he will still be saved. <laughs> Yet so as to fire, in other words, barely. <laughs> He's saved by grace. But it would be nice not just to be saved, but also to get reward, right? And so Yahusha is telling us, never think that any of our sacrifices for the sake of building up Yosemite Yahushua will ever be in vain because it will be rewarded. When will it be rewarded? When the seventh trumpet sounds. And so that's evidence number three. There's a, re a rewarding of the servants of Yahushua on the seventh trumpet, okay? Lastly, in Revelation eleven nineteen, when we read this passage, remember when it mentions there were lightnings, noises, thunderings and earthquake and great hail, how we were saying this refers to possibly, we're not speaking in with, you know, 100% determination because it's prophecy, right? But it's likely, I mean, if we, if it's correct that the seven seal event was the Tomuska blast, then because of the description in Revelation eleven nineteen, this could be a more powerful version of that blast. And it produces hail because the meteor, the asteroid, the asteroid would be either so many or so great a size, it's going to leave behind, even after it passes through the atmosphere, leave behind debris and remnants and cubs crashing to earth like hailstones. So there's a great hail, right? But before this event even happens, you notice what it says on top? The temple of God was opened in heaven. I don't know about you. But doesn't that get you excited? Why would Yahuwah God open his temple? When would you open the temple? 
when, when you expect people to come. Why would you open the temple if there were no people coming? So the apostle John is telling us something's gonna happen when the seventh trumpet is blown. What is that? The temple of God will be open in heaven, meaning there'll be people going to heaven. What would that be? The harpazo, right? The rapture. And so when the seventh trumpet is blown before the lightnings, the noises, the thunderings, the earthquake, the great hail, before that happens, we're going to be taken in heaven. We're going to escape the wrath of Yahuwah. We're going to be with our king forevermore. This is why when the seventh trumpet is blown, for us, that's not bad news. That's the best news. Because at last, we're going to be with our king forevermore. And we're going to go into the temple of God. But for us to be assured that when that seventh trumpet is blown, and we will not be left behind, because that's like the worst thing that can happen, right? I mean, can you imagine on Walmart, you're, you're at Walmart, you're shopping, and all of a sudden, your husband or wife, you can't find him anymore. Oh, no, where is she? Where is he? You find a cart. But the wife or the husband is not there, right? What if she got her pots out and you were left behind? Oh my gosh, that's like the worst thing that can happen, right? So we want to make sure we want to be among those who will be harpazoed, taken to the temple of God in heaven. So who are they? Well, let's read Revelation 3. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I want to pause it for a while. And so the seven bowls is also considered an hour of trial. Okay. In other words, there's a possibility still for people who are left behind to somehow enter the kingdom in the future. But they have to pass the hour of trial, which is the seven bowls and the beast powers. It's the hour of trial. But the Bible says, Yahushua has a promise. If you keep my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial. The Greek phrase, we studied this before, which says keep you from the hour of trial, it means we're going to bypass it. We're going to be taken, off, taken out before, before this even happens. That's the harpaxo, right? So there are those who will be taken out. There are those who will be left behind to kind of mature. But their faith can be more mature. And so what we want is when... Before this happens, that we will be taken out, that we would be among those who were mature enough in faith that when the seventh trumpet sounds, we will be with our king, Nehusha. Here's the condition obey my command to persevere, right? What does that mean, to obey my command to persevere? Let's keep reading. 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take away your crown. He who overcomes. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. In other words, they're going to enter the temple. How can you be a pillar in the temple if you will not be included among those who will enter it when it's open, when the seventh trumpet is sounded, right? This is why we have to overcome. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. 
the word name there, when it says my new name, it's not his personal name, but a title, a new title that he shall bear. He's going to write it on us because it shows our work, our role. We're going to be given new names too, which will signify our role based on our rewards, okay, so that we will know what our position is. Because at this point, Yahushua is selecting his cabinet members, so to speak, right? And so those who are filled with good works, of course, they're going to be in good standing before our king, Yahusha. And so there's going to be a giving of rewards for those who persevere, for those who overcome the wickedness of this world. So that's the fourth evidence. The temple of Elohim was open in heaven on the seventh trumpet, which tells us there's going to be people from earth entering kingdom of heaven. That's called the harpazo. And so this will happen at the seventh trumpet. This is our hope. Brethren, this is our hope. We are working so that we can be included among those who will be harpazo. Because we know the kingdom, which was announced, it's going to be established on earth and it will reign forever and ever. But before that happens, there's the preparatory work, the removal of the existing kingdoms and the preparing of the officers of the kingdom, the so-called cabinet members, if you can call it that. And so how will the removal of the existing kingdoms take place? Seven bowls of wrath. But the seven bowls of wrath would not be enough because after the seven bowls of wrath, the beast remains. Their armies remain. The false prophet remains even after the seven bowls of wrath. Yes, the earth would be severely depopulated, but there will still be a lot of people. And the beasts and the false prophets, they will still be there. And so how can the kingdoms be finally removed? Revelation 19. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with a sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. And so the Bible says, even after the seven bowls of wrath, people blasphemed Yahuwah, people blasphemed Yahusha. The beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they were still there, and they were still controlling the world, and they would have an army, and they would wage war against Yahusha. Yahusha from heaven, he will descend, and he will destroy with his mouth. He will capture the beast and the false prophet and cast them alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And so this would complete the removal of the existing kingdoms. The seven bowls would not be enough, but Yahushua, when he returns, with his mouth, he will devour and destroy those who would oppose him. And after that, of course, the preparing of the officers of the kingdom. This was the giving of rewards for the bride of our king, Yahushua. And so for us to be included, I mean, when we would want to be among those who would be returning with Yahushua when the final war begins, we want to be among the officers in the kingdom of Yahushua. Well, who are those who are included among the officers of the kingdom of Yahushua? Revelation 2, but until I 
come, you must hold firmly to what you have, to those who win the victory, who continue to the end to do what I want. I will give the same authority that I received from my father. I will give them authority over the nations to rule them with a rod, to rule them with an iron rod, and to break them in uh, to pieces like clay pots. I will also give them the morning star. And so, when Yahusha returns to establish the kingdom, right, he will come with people co-ruling with him. Who are they? Those will be given authority over the nations and will rule with an iron rod. Who are they? Those who will serve as kingdom, as kings and priests, because they were purchased by the blood of Yahusha. They belong to Yahusha. And if those who belong to Yahusha will continue to do what he wants, the Bible says, our King Yahusha, when he returns, he will give them authority and he will give them the morning star, the glory that belongs to him, he will give to those who are going to be with him this is why what we want to make sure of brothers and sisters is before that seventh trumpet is blown that we will overcome that we will win the victory because there's going to be many trials ahead the sixth trumpet when it happens we're going to be tested when the devil himself will roam around like a roaring lion trying to destroy us we're going to be tested we have to be victorious how can we be victorious? We have to be true disciples of Yahusha. You see, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for true disciples. This is why we're launching the discipleship training program. And we cannot emphasize enough how critical this is. This is why we want you to be included when we go through discipleship training program so that we can learn to discern the voice of Yahusha so that we can be victorious. So that when the trumpet sounds, we will have great confidence he shall be with us and we shall be with him because he will take us. We'll be harpazo towards him. And so we need to overcome. We need to be victorious. They're the ones who are included among the officers who will co-rule with him when Yahushua returns because we're going to be harpathoed. We're going to be the bride. What are we going to be given? And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And so we will be given fine linen, which is our good works or our rewards. And what will be our role? 13 to 14, he was, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And so those who are going to be harpazoed, they're going to return to earth with Yahushua. They're going to be included in his army. We will belong to the army of our King Yahushua. This is our hope. We'll be harpazoed, go to heaven. We return to earth to fight with our King Yahushua. Although it's not really much of a fight. <laughs> because Yahushua, all he needs to do is breathe. And he will destroy the, the uh, adversary and his foes. We want to be on the side of Yahusha. To be on the side of Yahusha means to do what he wants until the end. True disciples of Yahusha. That's what it means to be a true disciple. To do what he wants. Not until some point. But until the end. Even if it means we have to make great sacrifices. And so brothers and sisters, when the seven trumpet sounds, may be that all of us, all of us 
will be able to stand before our king. And so what must we do between now and then to be assured of this? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Yahushua is going to appear soon. When people will be afraid and there's perplexity of nations, men failing, their, their hearts failing them because of fear of fainting because of what's happening all over the world. Our King Yahushua says, look up. In other words, he's telling us to watch, wait for his return. Brethren, are we doing that? Are we watching for our King Yahushua? Are we waiting expectantly for his return? Are we longing for him like what Apostle Paul said? That he was longing for his appearing. We must long for his appearing. This is why those who truly long for the appearing of Yahushua, those who love his return, they're not going to be overcome by carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life. So many people in the world, their priority is carousing, drunkenness, entertainment, the cares of this life. That's all they think about. They don't even think about Yahushua. They don't think about the kingdom. They think life on earth is all that there is. Brethren, who are we? Are we just members of the assembly of Yahushua by name? Do we really long for Yahushua's return? Do we wake up in the morning looking up and saying to ourselves, Yahushua, please make me worthy. We should do that. The greatest joy in life on earth, even now while we wait for his return, is to have him in our hearts, to have him in our minds, to live life like him, to be like him, to embody him. Because when we do that, then we show to our King Yahushua, we want we want you to return. We want to see your face. Every day in the morning, let us ask Yusha to enter in us, to be in us, because he wants to. He doesn't simply, he did not simply die for us. He sat at the right hand of Abba so that he can be the throne of grace, so that he can be our high priest. Every day he listens to our prayers. He listens to our cries. He wants to help the weak and make them strong so that we can show to the world, this is what's available when we make Yahushua everything in our life. Brethren, when, when have we truly given ourselves to him, completely surrendered ourselves to him, our king? Let's do that today and every day. Live our life as though Yahushua's returning today. Do not be distracted by the things of this life. Do not be distracted by the trials of this life. Focus on our king. Let's pray to him at all times. And when we do that, he will count us worthy. And the Bible says we will escape all these things that will come to pass. In other words, we will not face the balls of wrath because we will be standing right next to the Son of Man and be with him forevermore. This is what he wants. This must be also what we want so that we can be with him forevermore. Let us stand, brethren. And we shall pray together. 
everlasting Father, Yahuwah, loving Allahim in heaven. How kind you are, how good and righteous you are. You gave up your son. You allowed him to perish on the cross. You voluntarily did this. Apostle Paul said this was your purpose and pleasure because you want each one of us to be saved. Father, you want all to come to the knowledge of truth. You want all to be saved, but we know we have to do our part as well. You have already done so much, but even our King Yahusha tells us, you do not stop working. You continue to work. You continue to hold us in your hands like clay and you shape us and prepare us that when you send your son, when the trumpet is blown, we will be together to receive salvation. Help us to endure. Help us to overcome distractions. Help us to be focused on your work, to devote ourselves completely to you, surrendering ourselves to you, finding our delight and joy in you. Our King Yahushua, we want to be with you. In your presence, we find strength, even in moments of weakness, when we feel overcome, especially during these last days, when people get sick, people are stressed, people lose jobs, people are in hardship. When we're overcome, when we look for you, fill us, fill us with your presence, strengthen our faith, teach us to look up to you, to affix our eyes upon you, perfect our faith, that when that trumpet is blown, we will be together with you. Amen. Oh, Father, bless our children, those who have not yet taken seriously the message of your salvation. Well, there is time before that seventh trumpet is blown, nurtured or faith, no matter how small it may be, Make it grow. Teach them to pray to you. When they pray to you, strengthen them. Bestow upon us your Holy Spirit. When we gather for worship, be with us, please. We know we are sinners before you, but you are almighty. When you call out your own name, Yahuwah, you are filled with unfailing love, mercy and compassion. We stand before you imperfect. Forgive us, loving Abba. Prepare us for the great day of our salvation. Thank you for listening to our petitions tonight. Continue to bless your people and heal us all of our sicknesses. We ask and beg everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.